I have had friends personally in this position where uh, they have a daughter whose boyfriend or uh, husband has physically abused them. There has been a conviction. They get a personal protection order, but it really isn't worth the paper it's printed on because that abuser still has access to guns. There is no feeling of safety as long as that happens. Well, there has been a new package of bills that were signed into a law on Monday that would crack down on gun possession by domestic violence offenders. It should make uh, instances and circumstances like that, we would hope, safer and prevent needless loss of life, uh, not to mention peace of mind. But the way it was crafted and some of the definitions are so broad that it can take guns away from people that are neither abusers nor even convicted felons, or the felony is quite nonviolent. That troubles uh, many gun rights advocates, among them one of the most reasonable, thoughtful members of our legislature. Graham Filler is a Republican from Clinton County, representing Michigan's 93rd District, and he joins us live this morning. Graham, it's always a pleasure to connect with you. Good to have you with us. Absolutely. I love coming on this show. I love that you take on sort of big nuanced issues, too, and this is uh, this is one of them. Talk to me that when when this was going through the process and you were looking at some of the definitions coming out, did you raise objections? Did you raise concerns? And we'll get to those concerns in a moment. Just but just tell me about how this bill came about and whether or not amendments were considered. Yeah. So actually, I'll go a little further back. This was brought to me when I did chair the Judiciary Committee, and people called it a quote unquote boyfriend loophole where an individual could be convicted of domestic violence and then have access to firearms. And we seriously considered it, and we um, we tried to work across the aisle. Uh, didn't find a lot of movement. But then this term, it came up again. I said, okay, now we're going to look at it again. However, this time it was written in such an aggressive manner that it goes much, much further than the boyfriend loophole concept into basically taking gun rights away from uh, many, many Michiganders. And so during committee, we asked uh, three questions. Question one, uh, why do misdemeanors, why are misdemeanors treated more aggressively than felonies under this bill? Felonies, typically you lose your gun rights for three to five years, and this bill is eight years. And the answer given to us was not satisfactory and still does not make sense to me. Felony is clearly serious, more serious than a misdemeanor. Um, and the second question we asked is, if you get in a uh, bar fight with an old roommate from college 25 years later, under this bill, you are now a domestic violence offender. And we felt those instances did not make any sense um, and did not seriously go to the problem that we were supposed to be taking on, which was cracking down on domestic violence. The third thing we brought up was the incredible scope uh, as written um, regarding new crimes that individuals, if convicted, would lose their gun rights. And we're talking about white collar crimes. We're talking about um, uh, no victim crimes. We're talking about false statements on an application, um, gambling offenses, uh, disorderly conduct. We're talking about things that don't have anything to do with domestic violence. And um, the uh, majority party, was not interested in any of the amendments. 
and the bill passed as written. And so uh, that's where we're at now. Representative, do you see a legal challenge coming? Because I know uh, federally there's a, a, a legal challenge in the uh, U.S. Supreme Court. And if that goes through, will that have an effect on the, on the uh, bill that was passed here in Michigan and others? I think there will be a legal challenge. I think um, the, the folks who wanted this bill could have avoided the legal challenge if they'd written it narrowly and sort of more in line with what the public talks about when they talk about domestic violence offense. But I do expect a legal challenge, yeah. From who? You know, we've, we've yet to see. And I do believe the Supreme Court uh, upcoming decision may have an effect on this. So it's a little bit uh, up in the air. Uh, Graham, <clears throat> they might have gotten more bipartisan support simply for the domestic violence aspect of it, because a woman is more likely fivefold to get killed if there is a gun involved and people support that. How did the redefinition come about? And did you see any like draft before this came to a vote? No, this was not a this was not viewed as a, a bipartisan um uh, a, a bipartisan process. And I will just tell you, and have, have been on the show before talking about this, when you had a Democratic governor and Republican House and Senate, there was, everything was negotiated, everything was back and forth. Uh, now that you don't, even though you have very, very slim majorities in the House and the Senate, um, a lot of these bills come from groups who have just, um, who have just said, we've waited for a long time and it's time for this bill to pass. And so there's not a lot of uh, back and forth. Um, and so I'm not sure that a lot of the Democrats who voted yes are aware of the incredibly broad definition um, of these bills. I, I want to ask you something that, that broke yesterday, and, and that is this uh, battery plant down in Marshall. Significant millions of dollars in state incentives were, were offered to get that plant built here in the state of Michigan. Now, Ford is going to scale back the productive capacity of that by about 42 percent. The the Whitmer administration and MEDC both said that incentives will be rebated back to the state because it's not going to deliver the jobs that we thought it would. Are you confident that will happen? Well, I hope it does. I will just tell you, uh, because I've got really strong thoughts about this, I'm a big supporter of of incentives, of incentives. saying, come to Michigan because we've created a better job atmosphere. Don't go to Indiana. Um, and when this came about, uh, our caucus sat down, had really nuanced conversations and said two things. Number one, the, the giveaway to Ford was too much. We could get on board. We support Ford. Um, but it was too much. And number two, uh, it's, it's EV based and the EV field is a mess right now. And people are not buying EVs. We understand that maybe if you make it in Michigan, you ship it to Europe or you ship it somewhere else. We get it's a global market chain, but um, it's not going well. Mm -hmm. And so why are we pumping this amount of money into a site that wasn't even wanted by the site where it was being put in? um, And the deal doesn't look like a good one. Not all deals are created equal. And so this feels like a lot of our predictions coming true, because when I look at that, some of the statements made yesterday uh, by Ford and others, I think they're seeing what we're seeing, which is the EV market is in turmoil and folks are not buying them to the extent that maybe once people believed in them uh, and and yet we're going to build this plant built on your taxpayer dollars uh, with with what I view as not a good deal. So I I feel like a lot of our predictions came true um, and uh, I hope that that money is refunded to the state. 
All right. And yeah, and how much and I know uh, Matt Hall, the the leadership on your side of the of the house has said that he would like a, a lot of it rebated, if not all. Graham Filler had a wonderful Thanksgiving and thanks for being with us.